Good morning, good morning, TLC. Welcome, welcome to service. We have a little smaller crowd today. I mean, everyone's off on retreat or helping at retreat or serving at retreat or they're out doing other things. Uh, but we are here gathered on a rainy day. Praise God for rain. We know we needed the rain, so here it is. Um, man, we, you know, it's, it's the first of the year, 2023. It's the first month of the year. And what we've been trying to do uh, every single year as we start off the year before we launch into our theme for 2023, we wanted to kind of go back and make sure that we lay the fundamental foundation of what uh, TLC is about, okay? Uh, we talked about the vision of TLC, the division that God has given to us as a church, as a community, is to do what? Is to love God, love people, to bless the world. That's why we exist here. That's why God has formed this body. That's why God has placed us together in this locale. That's why God has um, uh, shaped us to do this vision, to love God, love people, and to bless the world. And so from there, the question is, how do we do that? All right? And we have uh, pillars of our church that we do that through. Uh, last week, uh, Kevin, he spoke about worship. The life of worship is one of the pillars in which you are to build this vision on, to help prepare yourself, to solidify you as you are doing this vision. Today, I want to share with you guys about life of the community. Next week, uh, Paul, Pastor Paul, will come and pray, uh, share with you guys life of missions. And then lastly, uh, our elder Wang is going to come on the 29th to share about life of discipleship. Uh, that's, and that's going to wrap up our, our, our series before we get into 2023's uh, theme, okay? So today I want to share with you guys the life of the community. You know, we've been here, we've been around, you've been around the church for a while. What does the life of the community look like, specifically this community, God's community, Jesus, a community that's centered on Jesus Christ? Let me start with this illustration. I heard it this week. I liked it. Uh, so I want to I lay it down for you. So if I went to the psych department, if I decided to go to Berkeley and sit in one of the class specifically Psych 101. And I, and, I, and I show up to class once a week, and I, you know, I'm sitting there, I got my earbuds on, I'm scrolling through my phone while the, the professor's giving the lecture. And let's say, you know, a couple of weeks in, I start making friends with other classmates, and we go out for lunch after, after uh, our, our, uh, our lesson or after our class. I mean, we, you know, we hit it off for a while. And, you know, it's, it seems like pretty good. But the reality is that does not make you a student of Berkeley as a psych major, right? Just because you show up, just because you took the class or sort of took the class, just because you sat there, you kind of sort of listened to the lecture and you made friends with the people around you, doesn't necessarily mean that you were received into Berkeley and received into that major. In the same way, the life of the community, we can show up once a week, we could scroll our phones while PT preaches, right? We can even have lunch with some of our friends afterwards. But that does not necessarily mean that you are actually living part of the life of this community. Okay? Because the real question is, what does it look like? What is the objective of the life of this community? I want to share with you guys that picture. That I want to re repaint that picture for you. Is what is the objective to the life of community, of this community, God's community, and how to go about doing that, and what is the result you should see if it's done correctly? Right? The objective of this community that God's put us together. What is the objective of it? And then, how do we go about carrying that objective? And ultimately, these are the results that you should see if you are living those things out faithfully. You guys follow? Okay, go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, 
We're going to read 1 to 16, but we're going to go slowly. Okay, I'm going to share with you guys the objective first. The objective of the life of this community. The objective to the life of this community. Uh, verses 1 to 6. So this is Paul. He's a prisoner for the Lord. And this is what he is um, telling the church in Ephesus, all the churches in Ephesus. This is what, I, what you need to focus on. This is as a community, as a body, as a church, as a family. This is what makes us who we are. What is the objective of the life of the community? Chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Let me read it for you guys. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Right? The objective of the life of the community is this. It is to live out your high calling with humility and unity. The objective of why you gather, the objective of why we are here, the purpose of why you are part of this family is to live out, live a life worthy of the calling that you have received, live it out in humility and live it out in unity. Now, what do I mean by high calling? What is the high calling? Sometimes I, 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 I have this picture that we don't realize the high calling of what God has done for us, that you are now a temple of the Holy Spirit. You have been called to bear the very presence of God with you wherever you walk. That should be like a mind blown already, but you're like, eh, whatever. You are called into his eternal family, that this is not something that is going to be just here for the sake of your own self uh, mental health, but this eternal family is yours forever. You are called into this eternal life. That it doesn't just end here, but it goes on forever. There is a calling in our life. God has lifted you up from the mire. He has taken you from death, brought you out to life, and he has set you to be a people for himself. He has made you to be a people for himself. The calling that you have is a high, high, high calling. You guys realize that when you sit in this room, it's not just, I'm just a church member. You've been given the calling. You've been given the call to be his son, to be his daughter, heir to his throne. You've been given a call to bear witness of his presence everywhere you go. You've been given a calling that your life is a life that even when you take your last breath, it will actually, death does not end in uh, uh, death, your last breath does not end in death, but actually breathes the beginning of real life. You've been given a high calling. Your position, your identity, your worth is of high value. And he has made you as a people for himself. Do you realize that? Do you recognize that? Do you recognize that when you live in this world or when you are engaging in this world, you're not just a representative but you're part of this amazing family that God has called you into for himself. But this family is just not a high calling. The objective of it is to live out the high calling with what? With humility. So the way we're supposed to look in this church, 
The way we're supposed to interact in this church is there should be a, the Bible says, a humbleness, a patience, bearing with each other, a gentleness in the way we relate to each other. Do you know that love cannot be expressed unless there's humility? Pride cannot express love. If you think you're better than somebody, there's no way that you're going to be able to love them. You may feel pity for them. You may uh, uh, walk as if you're better than them, but you will never actually walk to care and to walk alongside them, to be with them. Humility is what brings forth love. Humility is how you look at a brother, how you look at somebody in the church, and you realize, I am no better than this person. I can learn from them. doesn't matter my job, my position, the amount of money I have in my bank, the status, what I have or what I don't have. Humility says, I am a sinner just like them, and therefore I need the salvation by the grace of God, just like them. So how can I look upon them and think that I am somehow better than them? See, the the atmosphere in the community of God ought to be one of humility. That we aren't to see each other and say, you know, um, I know I'm supposed to say this, but I actually, in my head, I believe I'm actually better than you. We, 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 We measure each other up, we size each other up. We, we, we try to say, oh, man, you're, you're at a further stage in life. I want to get there. Instead of living in this place of, teach me. There's so much to learn. Right? There's so much that I still need to learn. The objective of the life of community is what? You have a high calling. Live it out. Live out your high calling with humility. And secondly, he says, live it out with unity. There is so many times you repeat the word one. You work with call to one hope, you were one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who's over all and through all and in all. There's a unity that ought to be here. You're supposed to be unified in spiritually, in heart, unity in love for one another, unity in life. There should be not a division where, like, I'm this, I'm here, this is my clique, that's my clique, this is what I do, this is what I do. There should not be a division in the life, in the, in the group of the people of God, but there needs to be a connection, a oneness, because we all follow the same God. We all serve the same master. We all worship the same Lord. We are all saved by the same Christ. There needs to be a unity in the way we express and engage with each other. That's the life of community. That's the objective of it. Here we are gathered together. We shouldn't be separated, right? We shouldn't be divided across the spectrum. We shouldn't measure each other up on based on our, our, um, our politics or, or lack of, our status, our positions, our jobs, our accounts, the cars we drive, the house we live in. We're called to oneness. That we look at our brother and says, you know what, me and you, saved by the same Father, loved by the same Father, saved by the same Lord, empowered now by the same Spirit. We're one. There's a unity there. We have the same purpose. We have the same direction. So why do I feel like I have to be better than you? I don't have to. I, unity is when you begin to realize, you know, you want to cheer somebody on. If they do well, man, you're, you're excited for them. If they get something you don't get, you're excited for them. If, if both of you have been praying for the exact same thing together and one person got it and you didn't get it, you're still excited for them because God is, you're still worshiping the same God. You're still loved by the same God and you're still empowered by the same God. And here, 
You're supposed to lift them up, not say like, oh, she'd be jealous of them or envious of them now. Right? The life of a community, the objective, what it means to be a life of community is this. Live out your high calling with humility and unity. In your ministries, in your small groups, when you interact with each other, this should be that focus. But here's my other thing right here. So the question is how? How do we do that, PT? How do we have that? How do we live a, word, a life worthy of the call of salvation, worthy of the call of eternal life, worthy of the call of being a people of God, unified, humble, loving one another? How? Let's go down to verse 11. I'll get back to uh, verse 7 to 9 in a little bit, but go down to verse 11. It says this, it was he... That's Jesus, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So how do we grow into this unity? How do we grow into this humility? How do we grow into the fullness of the calling that which we have? And the answer is, right, the answer is that you are called, that you are, the life community is to be equipped for the work of ministry. You are called to be equipped, every single one of you. There is no, um, uh, there, is, there is no somebody who's uh, outside of that, that calling. Everyone is to be equipped for the work of ministry. So in the, in, in the, old, in the old days, uh, before the New Testament was, was uh, compiled and placed together, you had the apostles. These were the people who did what? They were the ones who saw Jesus. There's no more apostles, by the way. Okay? There's, there may be a gift in an apostle, but there's no more actual apostles. Because to be an apostle, you have to have seen Jesus, to be taught by Jesus, and to be sent out by Jesus. Okay? That's what makes you an apostle. And these guys' job, their job was to go and to lay the foundation of doctrine, the foundation of what they believe, the theological weight, the truth, the, the, the heaviness of God's word in that place. Their job was to establish that place with the truth of who God is. And then people will come along and be built up. And as they establish that into the life of people, these people now are equipped to do what? The Bible says to be prepared for the works of service. So now you are equipped. Now you understand what you believe in. Now you have a fundamental strength and foundation to your truth. Now you go and you live that truth out to these areas. Apostles were there. So after the apostles, then we had the prophets who showed up. Prophets were, they were like the pastors, teachers of, the, of that day. Okay? There wasn't like supernatural people. Okay? They weren't like, I can see the future. It wasn't that type of prophets. These prophets were people who declared what the Apostles laid down. So after the apostles laid it down, the prophets came in and they began to reteach it. They began to proclaim it. They began to share it over and over to the churches. And as the apostles died off and the prophets are no longer around, and we and the, and the, and the Bible is uh, compiled, put together, all the letters of the gospels put together. What do we have? We have the evangelists now, and their job is to go out. Their their job is to be. The, the, these are special men. Special people that God has equipped and prepared to go out. They're, they're laying down the foundation of God's truth, who Jesus Christ is, the salvation that is in Christ, the condemnation of sin, of hell that's to come. They're laying that stuff down. They're bringing people into the faith. And then the pastors, teachers, 
that's me, right? Just in case you did not know, pastor's teacher, that's me. My job is then to do what? Is to reteach and to equip you guys for the work of ministry. I'm here to equip you to carry out God's work of service in the world around you. Now, what does it mean when I say I'm going to equip you? Equipping you is not giving you tools, though I could do that, though that is part of it. Equipping you does not mean I'm giving you um, self-help techniques of how to better your life, live your best life now, you know, 10 steps to doing things better. That's not my job. I'm not to equip you that way. I am to equip you with what? With the word of God, the doctrine of salvation, the truth of life and sin, the truth of what it looks like for eternal life and eternal damn. I am to equip you with the fundamental truth of God's reality, his existence, and his plan. I am to lay that into your life over and over, and then you are to do what? I equip you for spiritual ministry to the people around you, and your job is to minister to those people that God has placed in your life. How are you ministering to them? Loving them, giving them a hug once in a while. No, that's, I mean, yeah, of course you should love them and shepherd them. But what, the way you minister to somebody is you are ministering them with the gospel truth. You're not, if you're in the ministry and you're not ministering to them with that, if you're not leading with that first, you're not actually ministering. And we're not creating a community here that's specifically God's community. We're just creating like a little nice bubble that loves each other. See, a ministry that begins to minister to others is a ministry that is doing what? Laying down the gospel's word and truth into the life of the people that you are talking to. When my job, we just came back from family ministry, me and Billy, right? They're still up there. We're going to go back and see them in a little bit, right? But my job is to not teach the husbands and the wives how to be better husbands and wives. Although... In the truth of it, I can share those techniques and stuff like that and these tools to do that, but my job is to lay down into their life first and foremost what? The Word of God, the fundamental truth of who God is, the purpose and plan that He has for marriage, for husbands, for wives, for children, for parenting, laying down God's fundamental truth first, and then as it's being expressed, their job is to do what? Do it for each other in their, as husbands and wives and to share it to their children what are we sharing? What are we sharing? Are we just sharing some, like, um, kumbaya kind of thing? Like, oh, let's just all love each other. That's not what we're teaching them to share. We're teaching them who God is, why he exists, his importance in your life, the reality of him, prayer, how to connect to him. We're teaching them. That's why we're doing the catechism, by the way. Uh, we're doing uh, the catechism because what we're trying to help you guys establish is a, is a framework of your mind, of God's doctrines, of his truth. Today we learned about how many persons are there in God. There's three, right? Three persons, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, but one God. Okay? And it's so unique. That's why our God is so unique, by the way. The, the triune God, do you know every other God is one being, one person, right? A being is, like I shared with you, is what? It's who you are. I'm sorry, your being is what you are. I'm sorry, what you are. Like, I am a human being, Right? God is a God being, okay, spiritual being, human being, but the, the person is the who I am. I'm a human being, you're a human being, we're all human beings, but the person is, I'm Tony, right? We got Peter, Harrison, Michael, Julie, right? Those are the persons. Everything in created order, one being, one person. 
The only thing outside of that is our triune God, who is one being, yet three person. There is no other God like him. There is no other God before him. That's why if you're going to worship any God, why would you worship a God that is similar to you? Why would you worship a God that has the same expression as you? The God that is true and living God is a God that is beyond you. He is the one being in three person. Anyways, that's what, we're tri- that's, that's what we are trying to equip you to understand, to know, to claim, to hold on to. And as we equip you to be spiritual parents, your job is to minister to your children. As we equip you to be minister of God's word, you do that. You, 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 your job is to carry that ministry into the job and the places in which you go. The evangelists, the apostles, the, uh, the, the prophets, the pastors, teachers, very unique roles, called by God with the function and the responsibility to equip the church for these things. So if I'm doing my job right, what should come out of your lips when you guys are talking and caring for people is more of God and less of let me give you 10 ways to make your life better, right? If I'm doing my job correctly, what should come out of your lips is the reality of sin. That I am no better than any man, and if left to my own demise, I will die. If I'm doing my job correctly, then what should be impressed upon your heart is love for your fellow man, because it's either life and death, there is no middle ground. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. It's, it is life and death. And there's an urgency to the life that you are called to live. Okay? And so here we are. Scripture says that is how you create this life of community, to live out your high calling of unity and humility. What needs to be laid down first is that you are equipped with God's word. So if you're a leader, if you're a minister, if you're a ministry leader, if you're in a small group, your job, guys, as you minister to people, if you're a children ministry teacher, your job as you are teaching is to lay down these clear truths, equipping the people to understand it, to know it, and to live it out. Now, here's the thing. God doesn't leave us alone. It's not like, okay, I got all this stuff now. God actually prepares us by doing what? He gives us gifts. Look at verse, uh, let's go back to verse 7. So as I'm equipping you for the work of ministry to prepare you for works of service, God doesn't just like uh, leave you alone to yourself. He actually offers you gifts. Look at verse uh, 7. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. And this is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean? Except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. And so what happens here, what, 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 what um, Paul is talking about is that you've been equipped with the teaching, with the knowledge, with, with, with the doctrine that is laying the truth, been laying in your heart. And not only have you now known the truth of it, God has given you gifts to express that truth, to live out that truth. And there's a list of truth, uh, there's a list of gifts that he gives. Uh, it's in 1 Corinthians 12, it's in Romans, um, uh, Romans 12 as well, okay? These are the gifts like teaching, leadership, mercy, 
prayer, service. These are gifts of like generosity, wisdom. These are gifts that God has given to you to express the equipping that you have, the truth that you have to those around you. And it doesn't mean that you have one or the other. It could be a blend of stuff. For example, I'm a pastor teacher. I have a gift of teaching, but I also have the gift of service. There's a joy in that. And so I express God's reality, his devotion, his gospel truth through my service. Some of you guys have the gift of prayer. You do it through prayer. Mercy, you do it through mercy. You share the doctrine of truth through mercy. Okay? And it's for what purpose that you've been given this gift? To build up others in the faith. You've been given these gifts to build up others in the faith. Not just to hold it for yourself. Actually, it's very shameful, by the way. If you are a son and daughter of God, and he has saved you, and he has given you these gifts in his victory over death itself, over the dominions of hell, over the hordes of evil, when he defeated death itself, he reigns in victory. He has all of them following him. And in that victory, he offers his children gifts. It is shameful that now being recipient of that gift, especially how much it costs him to, to give it to you, to be a recipient of that gift and to say this, yeah, I'm kind of busy. I'm just way too busy. School, tests, work, life, children. I'm just too busy. I can't serve. I can't give back. I can't build up others in the faith. Actually, it, when, when that attitude is seen in your heart, it reveals more of your relationship to God than it does anything else. It's not about your laziness. It's not about your, your, your busyness. It's actually really about your relationship. Because you will do what you love. What you love will always direct what you do. You have time for work because why? You love, maybe you love money. You love the status of it. You love the position of it. You don't want to lose where you're at in life. And so because you love that, you prioritize.